fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> This is a bunch of bullshit, and I'm really stressed out, and we just watched a shitty movie, and we're going to talk about it. This is Sharks Across Hollywood. April Fool's, I guess. We're going to talk about the happening. <laughs> uh, yeah, tomorrow will be April Fool's, so by the time this drops, I should say. Tomorrow, wink, wink. The happening. M. Night Shyamalan's fucking masterpiece. That's not true at all. You know, but... there's a part of me that feels like it might be. <laughs> there's a part of me that watched it and goes, I think this might be my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie right now. <laughs> There's something about it. It's growing on me. The first time I saw it, I fucking hated it. I don't I, like it for the right reasons, I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, no. it's it's gr <laughs> That's the thing. It's a terrible movie, but it's great for all the wrong reasons. There's like one or two scenes where I'm like, motherfucker, why are you making me feel shit for these people? <laughs> I don't want to care. But naturally, it has to do with the fucking kid. Yeah, of course. Because that little kid has such an earnest, sincere little face. Oh, she's so adorable and she's so sweet. And she's so quiet. So she's not she's not like some irritating little <laughs> fuckwit that you just kind of, you know, you want to smack in the back. You're not going to do it, but you want to. There's that base part of yourself that reverts to the old ways and just wants to take out some <laughs> corporal punishment on this little shit. But then your civilized brain has to step in and be like, yeah, that's not really the best thing. You're, you're, you're not setting a good example and they're just going to grow up to do the same thing. So, you know, let's dial it back. But inside you just want to mm, not hurt them, you know, well, just, just a light, like, like slapping the ass of someone you're hitting from behind, you know, you know, just just enough to get their attention and make them go, "What the fuck was that?" That was a weird analogy to make, given we're talking about a child. Okay, uh, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. It's just that you know, it, it's that kind of glancing slap where it's not like designed to make impact. It's more designed to bounce off. You know, that's all I was trying to say. So that little girl, by the way, is played <laughs> most adorable little kid, played by an actress named Ashlyn Sanchez who is not an actress anymore apparently she did she didn't this was the last thing she acted in but apparently she's like a martial artist and a stunt person now no shit yeah i looked her up because i was curious as to what she was up to so she grew up to be an ass kicker instead of a cute a cute little person hey maybe she's primed for her acting comeback in a new season of power rangers oh what I'm do you in. think power rangers month 2022 <laughs> the return of what's her name again ashlyn something? ashlyn sanchez there you go the return of ashlyn sanchez by the way that that blu-ray dvd collection of the first three seasons of power rangers actually has those two specials on it no shit yeah i tried to get it at walmart but they the, the day that i was like what the fuck is wrong with me why don't i just buy that gone that, not the super nice... cool one that i missed out on because i'm a fucking <laughs> I'm, I'm an idiot and I, was... I told you about that one okay? no I... that's not the one the, there was one before that oh yeah that was it was a steelbook fancy box set i think and it had no oh, yeah i'm talking about the steelbook ones the ones where the steelbooks are just the the, the ranger yeah, heads they, but they had a they had a set like a like oh, an actual set oh, together oh, okay but it was like two three hundred dollars or something oh yeah and i was yeah that would that's a lot for as many episodes as you're getting that's a steal i yeah. mean what was it was it four seasons Three. three well seasons. three and then like a 10 episode mini series i mean those first two seasons that's 140 episodes or something like that it's a lot i think it's 60 episodes and then power rangers is a whole thing the first season ended and then they're like <laughs> hey you know what actually we lied it's not over hey uh 
Toei, you guys over there in uh, in Japan, you guys can make more of this for us, right? Yeah, it turns out we just made the biggest <laughs> thing in America. We'd like to keep it going, huh? Oh, and we'd also like to screw over our actors, so by the time the second season rolls around, they'll be pissed off and they'll leave. For as much money as Power Rangers made, every single one of them should be multi-millionaires by, by yeah. season two. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. Apparently, this is way off topic, but Haim Saban, he fucking banked, personally, from what I heard, a billion dollars that first year that it was on TV. Sweet. Jesus. So he's a dickhead. Nobody makes a billion dollars and isn't a piece of shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you just don't you just don't do it. You can totally make a billion dollars and then, you know, not be a piece of shit and like give people some of it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We're looking at you, George Lucas. He d- <laughs> we're looking at you as the person who got billions of dollars and did <laughs> and did exactly that. <laughs> yeah. You are such an asshole. You get four billion dollars, you keep like fuck you and thank you. You keep like a million of it and just give the rest away. <laughs> Shit, you could keep a hundred million of it and still be giving away more money than anyone in history has ever given away. <laughs> what? A, he's such a nice dude. I like George Lucas. Don't be a creep, please, for the love of God. Nothing comes out about like how he fucking tried to finger diddle Carrie Fisher or oh, anything. God, please. George Lucas and Mark Hamill, two seemingly two of the nicest people on the fucking planet. I just hate what George Lucas did professionally, yeah, like, but as a yeah. On a personal level, like you want to bet that that was his own anxiety, just freaking oh, yeah. out, thinking it just wasn't good enough. It has oh, to be sure. better. Has to be better. Sure. M Night Shyamalan should have took a cue from that. <laughs> <laughs> Is it maybe that he he took exactly that cue? I don't know. <laughs> well, his his career right after this movie took a fucking nosedive in quality, like you would not believe, like it already had. Well, it it, it had certainly been declining. Nobody was praising the village or Lady in the Water. As a matter of fact, a lot of people had a lot of shit to say about Lady in the Water. Though, I will say, I liked Lady in the Water. I never I'm saw it. I'm not going to try and defend it as you know, being a high quality work. I just enjoyed it. I thought it was an enjoyable fantasy. Having said that, I'm not going to try and say it's good. This one was the, I think the straw that broke the camel's back for most people. (laughs) It's just, it just keeps getting fucking worse as I scroll through. Okay. So, so he did, obviously he did two movies before the sixth sense came out. One of which I saw when I was a little kid. Really? Which one? Uh, There's a movie called praying with anger. I don't really know what it's about, but he's on the cover. So I imagine it's like one of those early, Kevin Smithy indie films where he's the fucking star. It came out in 90. Yeah, that sounds about right. In 1998, he made a movie called Wide Awake with the uh, with the kid from Jack Frost. Why? Oh my god, <laughs> he's so good at choosing child actors. Why would he pick that fucking kid? You mean the Michael Keaton Jack yeah, Frost? Yeah. Not okay. All right, I was gonna say like this could get worse actually. Yeah, and then he went on like nobody nobody saw that movie. Except for me, I like it. It's 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 decent. It's you not- see all the weird. You're you're like <laughs> the original hip. You were a hipster when you were like nine years old. Or I had a VHS tape that had the trailer for it on there, and I always thought it looked really good. So one day you rolled down to the video store yeah. and we're like, "Let's get it." That's how that, that's how it worked back in the nineties, man. And believe it, and somehow your video store had it. Okay, that's- what what time period are we talking? Are or, we talking? Well, mid-90s? this came out in ninety eight, so it was about ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, that's that is prime video store in every corner era and it also has rosie o'donnell in it i have no response to that <laughs> wide awake is a is a touching very kind of sad story it's it's, it's pretty touching about a little about a kid in a catholic school who tries to find god after his grandfather dies that's a reasonable story yeah it's really weird and dumb and it has m night Shyamalan's fucking fingerprints all over it you should watch it tell me tell me i'm wrong you can totally <laughs> tell you wouldn't like put it together like if you didn't know but once you know you're like oh my fu- oh my god like that is yeah 
Okay. All right. So the so the symptoms were all there from the <laughs> yeah. beginning. And then right right after that, he made the sixth sense, which is obvious. The sixth sense is the Shyamalanist of Shyamalans, yeah. pretty much. And he had the trilogy of movies that people mostly like. Signs is a little divisive, but yeah, I guess Signs does. Signs was the first time people were like, like I hated that, and other people were like, I thought it was fantastic. Signs was the first time people were like, Is he not as good as we thought he was those first two times? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then of course the village and Lady in the Water, just a one-two punch of movies that people basically hated you know the funny thing is to this day my daughter's favorite Shyamalan movie is the village oh okay I I watched it once I thought it was okay and then I thought back I'm like I don't think I never need to watch that again I don't ever I enjoyed it but I actually enjoyed Lady in the Water more in a post downfall of Shyamalan world I think it's worth watching Lady in the Water because suddenly you're going to go into it with absolutely no (laughs) expectations so I think you're going to be able to enjoy the charm of it without feeling like it's ruining an icon for you it has a moment where I'm like, fuck you, you piece, you egotistical piece of shit. Oh, is it because he's the fucking hero of the whole thing? Because he's not just, he's not the hero (laughs) of the thing. He's the tragic, romantic, dies for his art hero. Who's going to save the world with his art and be martyred for it. Not exaggerating. That is literally the plot of the movie. But right after that is when The Happening came out. And that's where everybody's like, out, I'm done. I'm done with this fucking weirdo. And it gets worse. That's not even the worst of it. Wow, that movie. Has, yeah, uh, then he did The Last Airbender. Mm. He was like, you know what? I don't think people hate me enough. Everybody was officially out at that point. Uh, <laughs> How about I take the most <laughs> beloved animated series in modern memory and turn it into the worst family movie ever made? The funny thing is, when he was making it, like, if you watch in this movie, at the end of the movie, little uh, uh, Jess is wearing an Avatar The Last Airbender backpack. Oh, she is, isn't she? Yeah, yes. No, I, like I saw that. he was trying to give you a signal and he claimed he was a huge Avatar The Last Airbender fan. He loved the show, was a huge fan of it, and was very excited to do it. And then he starts putting all this shit in that makes no goddamn fucking sense. If you've watched it even even half paying attention like I was. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know enough about it to talk about it, but I he know He got the bad. fucking main character's name wrong. The main character in the show. Ong? Aang? No, is Aang. Okay. If you watch one episode, they call him Aang a fucking hundred times immediately. In the movie, he calls him Ong. I don't think Shyamalan has ever actually watched the show. I think he was lying. I think you might be right. If that wasn't enough, he had to ruin Will Smith and his son at the same time. (laughs) At that point, I was out. I was gone. I did not watch it. I never watched after. I thought the trailer looked kind of good. So I went to see it and I'm like, what? the hell was that how do you manage to take will smith arguably the most charming man in movies how the fuck do you make him like so stale and boring and uninteresting and then as his kid was never that great of an actor but if you watch that karate kid remake you can see you can see that will smith charisma just flying out of this kid not the best actor he's good in that and then he directed an episode of wayward pines and then he didn't come back and make a movie until the visit which actually kicked a fair amount of ass yeah and everywhere like hey that one's all right that's a good one and then of course you know split and glass and old he's back at it again making shitty (laughs) movies that nobody likes (laughs) i would not have watched the visit if i'd known it was a Shyamalan movie oh really I knew and I was curious. I did not know some forums or something were talking about oh you know you gotta watch the visit you gotta watch the visit and so I downloaded it and sight unseen had no idea Shyamalan had directed it and then I'm watching it and then directed by M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> comes up I'm like what what the fuck but it's like alright I'm already watching it let's give it 15 minutes sucked me right in 
It's pretty good. Yeah. I got that in Horror Pack, and I've watched it like three or four times, mostly because Lydia wanted to keep watching it, because I showed it to her. Great kids' horror movie. Yeah, it is, actually. It's it's disturbing enough to like fuck with them a little bit, but I'm like, that's... It'll, it'll, give, you, it'll give you a nightmare, but it won't terrorize you. We've bullshitted long enough. Let's actually talk about the happening. What? No. I have a... Have I discussed my happening theory? Yes, you have, and okay. I, I have... Have I discussed it on the show? I don't remember. You probably have, but I was going to... I was going to ask you to talk about it again because I looked it up. Couldn't find a goddamn thing about it. Let's talk about your happening theory. <laughs> All right. I, I guess we can open with this. I watched the happening in the theater. I was very excited because it was billed as the first R-rated movie from M. Night Shyamalan. And I watched an interview with him on the DVD I have because I the only reason I even bought the DVD was because it was literally $1 <laughs> at a Black Friday sale. And I was like, all right, I got to see, I got to at least see if the shit I remember from the theater is actually on the DVD. And it's not. In the theater, first off, it gives you a very weird vibe right from the beginning. Something's off about it. It is not the movie you walked in expecting. And the reason for that is, and, and this is even confirmed by Shyamalan later. He did not say this at the beginning, but he did say this after the fact. He said basically he wanted to make a 50s, 60s B horror movie. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is something he has confirmed. He wanted to make a 50s, 60s style B horror movie. And if you compare this to movies like the beginning of the end or them or this island earth things like that it's very in keeping with that style of movie the main character is a science teacher you know he's all about science but he's kind of about dumb science <laughs> you know he's about like dumbing science down as much as oh, possible he to... is the most condescending weird fucking science teacher <laughs> so that's very in keeping with the 50s, 60s B monster movie style. In those movies, you always had a scientist, and the scientist was always kind of a condescending douche, really talking down to everybody, and with a weird cadence. And Mark Wahlberg has a very weird cadence in this movie. If you listen to everything he says, sounds like he's acting. So I actually, I'm not, now Wahlberg has kind of disavowed this movie, so yeah. I don't know if this is actually if this was intentional on his part. But the first time I watched it, or rather, the first time I rewatched it. I hadn't heard that Wahlberg had completely disavowed it. So I thought, well, maybe what he's doing is he's acting like a bad actor. You know, like maybe it's an intentional thing where he's deliberately trying to sound like a bad actor in every scene because that's exactly what he sounds like in every scene. He sounds like a terrible actor. And Mark Wahlberg, if you watched The Departed, if you've watched a lot, a lot of his movies, I was not thinking all of his that. Movies, I'm like, I know this motherfucker can act. Exactly, he is a capable actor. He's not. I don't like him, but I know he can yeah. act. Yeah, you don't have to like him. I'm not trying to defend his character or anything like that, but he's a capable actor. At times, he can be great. So the fact that he's so bad so consistently in this movie made me wonder if it was deliberate. But the thing is, is like I said, right off the bat, you're getting that vibe because you walk in expecting a serious horror movie. At least I walked in expecting a serious <laughs> horror movie. I walked in coming off of The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, which is my favorite Shyamalan movie and one of my favorite movies of all time. And I come into this and I'm getting a 50s or 60s B movie, basically. Needless to say, I'm very put off by this. It just feels wrong at every step along the way. And then at some point, I don't remember what scene it was on, but at some point, a boom mic just drops out of the top of the frame. Now, this is in the theater. I just remember going, what, what? what the fuck? And looking at everyone around me and going, did you just see that? Did you see what, did you see that mic drop into frame? Nobody saw it. Nobody but me noticed it. So I thought, okay, maybe I'm just seeing it, 
right? Like maybe, maybe this is just my mind going weird on me. Then later they're at the, the model home. There's a scene mm -hmm. at a model home and it's very surreal because everything in the model home is fake. And they take the time to show you that everything in the model home is fake. One of the kids goes, hey, look, everything's fake. That's Spencer Breslin. And he holds he holds oh, a, the orange juice glass upside down. No, it was the, it was the uh, other kid. It was the other kid. Yeah. yeah. He holds the orange juice glass upside down. So, you know, it looks like it's just full of fresh frothy orange juice and then he turned it upside down and it's completely solid so mark Wahlberg walks into the dining room and he's talking to where what is that kid from is he is he from the kid with yeah. bruce willis yes okay i knew i had seen him before and i thought i thought it might be that he's abigail breslin's brother really yeah i did not know that you didn't know that no yeah. i had no fucking clue because she actually kind of looked a little bit like him when she was younger okay and yeah she, I she grew up it. got hot and now he it. doesn't act anymore oh wow which is kind of a bummer so like he he started the thing but she's she's the one who actually yeah. got a career out of it yep. okay well she is a hell of an actor so he's talking to this kid and he's basically laying out the theory you know he, he's he's doing the thing that he does throughout the entire movie which is like i don't know what it is there's no way to know it could be this it could be that we don't really know even though they completely buy in on this plant idea way too soon as far as i'm concerned the whole time but then he's still like maybe it is i don't know maybe 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 <laughs> yes it is and then all of a sudden it is it is this it 100 is, is get away from the wind which looks like a wall of wind just coming out <laughs> it's so it's it's really funny because in retrospect it is so obviously a 50s 60s b movie you know but as he sits down at the table he sits down he's talking to this kid and he's kind of like i don't know what's going on i don't know and he picks up this glass of wine and he starts gesturing with it but again the wine is rock solid so it doesn't swirl or move as he's moving his hand and it creates this surreal effect and at that moment at that exact moment i have the thought that mark Wahlberg is going to look up off camera and go knight am i fucking this up do you want me to do something different and suddenly we were going to it was going to be revealed that the whole thing is like a prank that is the thought i had in that moment and as i'm having this thought it is not two seconds old another motherfucking boom mic drops down into the frame and i i tap my brother my brother sitting next to me i'm like look look and he's like holy fuck you're right. There was a boom mic just plain as day, bigger than these mics, just drops right down into the middle of the middle of the frame, the top middle of the frame. Boom mic, baby. And that was the moment at which I decided this whole movie is a practical joke. This whole movie is a practical joke. And then I thought about it, and Jesus Christ, it's called The Happening. A happening, for, for those who are unaware, a happening in the parlance of the 60s and 70s counterculture movement, a happening is like a demonstration or a work of basically it's, them fucking it's a with piece of performance art yeah in some cases it takes the form of a prank for example just a few years earlier jim carrey had starred in the movie man on the moon as andy kaufman well, it was like nine years earlier it was like 99 really it was that much further <laughs> yeah but suffice to say that was a very big movie and it's and it's a it had a profound effect on me personally and in the movie, he has this freak out on the set of a live TV show. And then they cut to commercial. And then one of the guys from the show announces to everybody in the audience, you have just been part of a happening, right? And everybody's like, oh, it was a joke. The freak out on live TV was all a joke, right? Then they say, okay, now Andy is going to tell the viewers at home that it was a joke so that everybody's <laughs> in on it. And everybody knows it was just for fun. So then they cut back to Andy Kaufman and he says, the producers have asked me to inform you that this was a joke. It 
was just done as a prank. There was nothing serious going on. You don't need to worry. But that's not true. It's a lie. They're trying to cover it up. They're trying to make you believe that, that this was just a joke. And he fucks it. And then they cut right back to commercial. And he's like, watch, they're going to cut me off now. And then they cut him off. You know, in that sense, this, I think, personally, my personal belief is that's exactly what this was. This movie was a practical joke. M. Night Shyamalan got $48 million of investor money to shoot and release a practical joke nationwide. And here's the thing about it happening. <laughs> here's the thing about it happening. You had to be there. You had to be there for it. And if you weren't in the theater, you didn't get to see the boom mic drop because by the time it hit Blu-ray and DVD, they CGI'd that shit back out. To make it to make you think you're watching an actual movie. Exactly. It is an actual movie. It's just an actual shitty movie. It is. It's a it's an actual <laughs> B movie. Like and if you enjoy shitty B movies, which obviously we do, look at the movies no, we talk about. Never. Um, which is why I fucking liked it so much this time around it's kind of perfect like it's a really good bad movie i saw it in the theater i don't remember any of that shit i don't <laughs> hey like i said <laughs> nobody around me noticed the boom mics when they dropped it until i said something i remember hating it when my friend made me go see it though I'm like fuck <laughs> you're you you're not alone you asshole you're <laughs> not alone i walked out of that movie like fuck m night Shyamalan. and i wasn't even into movies at that point we just went to movies <laughs> all the time and like we watched i always watched a lot of movies that's one thing that i've never not done not you watch never movies. not watched a yeah. lot of movies yeah aside from the the overly long weird picket fences simpsons credits one of my least favorite things in the world is overly long credit sequences with nothing going on <laughs> and it's so fucking boring it's just clouds floating across the sky. Ooh, now they're floating in reverse. Ooh, <laughs> spooky. I do like the opening scene, though. The opening scene is actually kind of creepy. Yeah. It's got the girl from the cabin in the woods. It's very hammy. It is. You know. Oh, by the way, she has disavowed this movie entirely. She oh, will yeah. She not won't even, even talk, talk about it. Exactly. Oh, my God. She <laughs> won't talk about it if asked. The scene starts at cent in Central Park at 8.33 a.m. 8.33 a.m. is interesting because, did you notice, the story starts with the timestamp, 8.33 a.m. And what timestamp does it end with? 9.58 a.m. According to those timestamps, the happening took 25 hours and 25 minutes. Exactly. I don't know what that means. It's just <laughs> interesting that it's exactly 25-25. A listener, you can go ahead and start theorizing and we're, we're like government shills and all that shit because 25-25 and we noticed it. It's like the number 23, only this time it's the number 25. I'm telling you, this movie is full of conspiracy theory level shit. Oh, we'll get to some of that shit. So let, let's just talk about this scene because this is an actual, <laughs> it's, it is kind of cheesy, but it is actually kind of scary yep. because these two girls are sitting there. They're talking about one of them's like, I forgot where I am. You're at the place where the killers meet to decide what to do with the crippled girl. That's right. That's right. Did you hear that? That's funny. That's weird. Those people look like they're clawing at themselves. Is that blood? Again, this is very in keeping with that 50s, 60s B-movie where everybody over-describes everything. Everybody kind of around them like freezes and then one guy starts walking backwards. The friend then starts repeating, What page was I on? Page. She slowly pulls the hair stick out of the back of her hair and we get this weird shot. <laughs> this weird shot like <laughs> she turns into a mannequin. <laughs> Ha 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 ha. 
and she shoves this hair stick in her throat. So that's the opening opening. And then we get another thing that could also be in the opening where we cut to a construction site. It says three blocks away from Central Park. And it's like 25 minutes later. Yeah. I think it's actually 25 minutes later. And I think, the, I think oh, it's at seriously? 8.58. Yeah. I think <laughs> and, it's at 8.58. And then these construction guys are telling jokes because they're probably union. Everybody, the, a bunch of them are working, but then there's always the several guys just standing there because unions, right? Fuck unions. I'm just kidding. Unions are a good thing. And what are the odds that a bunch of construction workers are sitting around telling racist jokes? <laughs> Big fucking surprise. In, in fairness, though, it is a black it is guy the black telling guy a making, racist yeah. joke about the size of a black man's penis. Is that what that joke was about? Yeah. He says, So then the little guy says, You have a girlfriend named Wendy too? Well, I saw your thing and it said W-Y. The big guy says, no, man, mine says, welcome to Jamaica. Have a nice day. One dude must have thought that joke was so bad that he decided to jump off the roof. And then six more just jump off <laughs> right at the end of the scene. Yeah, I was going to say, it's about a dozen. Marky Mark is apparently a science teacher. I don't believe that even a little. <laughs> As if this movie wasn't already stretching credibility. Yeah. He talks to his class about the bees disappearing, which is actually a very real phenomenon that is kind of happening, still happening. Oh, by the way, I forgot to Google it. How many times do they say that fucking word in this movie? 25 times. I would not. Are you serious? Yes, it's on the uh, it's on the fucking IMDb. It's on the IMDb trivia page. I read the entire IMDb trivia page yesterday. They say it 25 times. So the number 25 is all over this movie, as is the letter J. There are only like three characters in this movie whose names don't start with a J. And what is what is John Leguizamo? He's Julian. When he's when when the car crashes, he's in a Jeep driven by Dante. Yeah. Is that who it was? (laughs) Because I. I had that thought because you only glance him in the mirror. He's, he doesn't even use his real voice. I swear, that's not his real voice when he's like calling him from the street. He's like, hey, come here. Like, that is not what Brian O'Halloran sounds like. So it is Brian O'Halloran. I forgot to check the credits. I wasn't sure either. And then I looked it up. And I'm okay. like, yeah, that's gotta, it's All right. him. It's got to be him. And yeah. I was looking at I was like, holy fuck, is that Gil Hicks? Yeah, wow, you went for the deep cuts, Hicks. I like it because he, because he has the Bill Hicks hair and his name is Gil Hicks. <laughs> he's asking them for theories. His classroom, he's asking them all for theories about why the bees might be disappearing they're like well what about this and he's like maybe probably not fuck off in fairness he's approaching it in a semi-realistic way in that a scientist a a real scientist not some self-proclaimed you know facebook researcher but a real scientist is hesitant to say yes that is the final answer that is the actual fact of the matter especially about something that they do not have the evidence on a real scientist will say that is one theory that is a possible theory that may be the case but we need to consider all the options he just sounds like a dick when he says it but he does (laughs) the way he's talking like sounds so condescending they cut at one point to a quote on the blackboard oh yeah that's right when everybody's leaving about Einstein and how yeah yeah but the thing is the quote doesn't even say Albert Einstein it says attributed to Einstein oh okay which again is the way an accurate minded person would put it but who the fuck would put that (laughs) quote if you couldn't even attribute it one of the last things that happens in this classroom is he basically berates this other this good looking dude because he's intimidated by him (laughs) yeah the good looking kid in class he's like so what do you think man and he's like I don't know I don't care he's like you should care about science because you're a good looking guy now but your ears and your nose are gonna grow exponentially over the course of the next 20 30 years and you're not gonna be you're not gonna be pretty anymore so Fuck you, piece of shit. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then he, he the kid says, you know, it's something that'll come back later. It's an act of nature and we'll never quite be able to understand it. It'll come back later from a scient a literal scientist. A literal scientist. Who is supposedly explaining everything that happened. So they took the dumbest kid in the room. What <laughs> the prettiest. Put his, well, he is the prettiest, yes. And basically we're like, this guy's on the exact same level as this scientist who's going to explain everything at the end of the movie. Uh, is it any wonder we have a whole contingent of society that has <laughs> absolutely no ability to trust scientists? Because of the happening. It's entirely because of the happening. It's not because of a century of religion trying to negate science for its own selfish purposes. What's a religion? Oh, uh, sorry. It's a mind control device. One of those ones I was talking about earlier. Oh, okay, cool. Like we're mind controlling people into liking this show. Exactly. So the vice principal shows up in the classroom and Mark Wahlberg tries to get all funny. I'm like, dude, they're not fucking preschoolers. This is a dumb joke. I mean, it's kind of funny because I would do the same thing because I'm a dad too. <laughs> yeah, it's a dad joke. He's doing a dad joke in a high school. <laughs> Nobody liked that teacher. Nobody <laughs> no. liked that teacher. We all had that teacher, but nobody liked them. They're walking down the hall, and all these kids are just fucking around on their phones and just doing whatever. He's like, "You're excusing you. You fucking pulled out all the teachers. They make us. They make us teach with one foot of snow on the ground. Fucking." <laughs> <laughs> okay, they made us fucking walk to school in negative degrees, so get fucked. Uphill. Both ways. I don't go that far. It was uphill, but it was only uphill one way, because that's not how hills work. So, so the guy who awkwardly hit on Sandra Bullock <laughs> in the bus in speed is apparently the principal or some shit? I don't know. And John Leguizamo was there. John Leguizamo, <laughs> who is the only person actually acting in this movie for some reason. Not because, well, but he's acting. <laughs> because this is before he actually, you know, started showing his acting chops isn't it i mean am, or um, am i no misplacing this in history he he was in two wong fu which he was really good oh, in. oh yeah that was the 90s wasn't yeah it? and he was clown in fucking spawn yeah we've gone back and forth on clown and spawn like i recognize that clown was the breakout character in spawn but at the same time like like it was a breakout role for john leguizama no question oh and he was a luigi Pe in the Super people Mario start Bros. people started really talking about him after that <laughs> but at the same time that character irritates the fuck irritated excuse me i should say irritated he's supposed to the fuck out of me at the time that's his job now that i have an appreciation for shitty cinema i really need to go back and rewatch spawn and john leguizamo disappears so much into that role i didn't even know it was him when i was a kid I'm like, <laughs> when i found out i'm like what that was luigi that why how and now that kind of shit happens all the time that was the pest <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, we know him well from The Pest. The single most racist movie I've ever <laughs> I've seen. I've never seen it. I remember when it came out. I remember the trailer and stuff. I mean, it's kind of hilarious. It's kind of great just because it's so universally racist. It is racist all <laughs> the way around the globe. Oh, that's Nobody fun. gets off, which makes it kind of perfect for the early 2000s. But anyway, suffice to say, like he's actually making an attempt to act unlike everyone else in this movie. <laughs> They're going to dismiss all the children because of the shit that's going down. And everybody's like, what the fuck? going on it's oh like nobody really knows anything they don't really make this clear <laughs> they do say things to the effect but they don't make it clear on a first watching they're in philadelphia this shit went down in new york oh yeah yeah they're dismissing all the students because my thought was why would you just send the kids out into the world when people are dying in the park and then i realized later that they were in philadelphia not 
New York. And they think it's terrorists, so they're like, yeah. we need to get, get them home where they're safe, I guess. <laughs> that is such a that is such a 2000s mindset right there. <laughs> this was post 9-11, so I think everybody was... Yeah, what are we, six, seven years post 9-11 yeah. when it's... I mean, when it's being written in Movies May. got real weird for a yeah. while there about that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a reason the 2000s are a dark, dark era for movies. Not in the way that you want them to be. Julian, by the way, is John Leguizamo's character, and we get a little bit of business with him, and him and Marky Mark are friends. His name is Elliot, by the way. They're friends, and he's like, oh yeah, I just talked to my wife. Yvette is her name. But he's like, oh, I just let her know that there's a 60% chance something, something. People are comforted by percentages, you know. And basically what he's saying is his percentages are all made up. Let's get to, like, I is think... It, again, this is conspiracy <laughs> theory headquarters, this movie. Uh, we're gonna meet our second to last main character here, played yep. by... It's Alma, played by Zoe Deschanel. Who we haven't seen on this podcast since 500 Days of Summer. Which you which haven't. Will never be released. Yeah. So this is where I realized, I'm like, okay, I know these people can act. I know they can. <laughs> I've seen them do it. So why am I, why am I getting such a close-up of her dead fucking eyes? Her, the whole movie, she has this deer-in-headlights look on her face. See, I I felt like what she was doing, especially in this first scene where we meet her and she's having this sort of awkward crisis with her phone and this guy repeatedly calling her on the phone. Joey, who is voiced by M. Night Shyamalan, by the way. Indeed. I felt like she was playing it like a confused kid. Like that was her pro. Like she was like, I'm channeling my inner confused nine-year-old. Even though she's fucking 30. I hate, I hate her. She's so fucking stupid. Not, not Zoe Deschanel. She's lovable. She's cute. She's adorable. She is none of those things in this movie. It's just this character. She doesn't like, even have a personality. Her ability to just go blank is second to none. Also, Julian really hates her. I don't think Julian hates her as much as Julian loves his cares friend. about his friend and doesn't think she's right for him but he didn't say anything when they were dating and getting married but now he suddenly feels like oh. it's all right to start talking shit about <laughs> questions he had on their wedding day i skipped over that scene i really need to there, there's a line in the previous scene because elliot and julian <laughs> they're, they're talking and he's like i'll bring jess in the vent and i'll meet you at the station listen julian Thelma's acting weird just be cool okay what's going on She's acting odd. Just don't worry about it, okay? Odd. Look, she's acting like she's distant or something. What? I can't say anymore. Is she leaving you? I didn't say that. It's just talk, okay? Just relax, please. Hey, I'm gonna tell you something. You should never tell your best friend. Why is everybody saying that? I saw her on your wedding day. Again with the wedding? What? I walked into a waiting room by mistake and she was crying. She looked up. I saw her face. She wasn't ready to jump in, Elliot. That's not who she is. She's never going to jump in when you need her, man. First he says, I'm going to tell you something you should never tell your best friend. And then Elliot looks at him and goes, why does everybody keep saying that? I'm like, what Which the hell? Which makes no fuck... <laughs> The only thing I can think is there was a scene earlier in the movie that got cut yeah. or he was trying to make it feel like there was a scene earlier in the movie that got cut. I don't know which one it is. For this movie, it could go either way. I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. That made me happy. I laughed. I laughed real hard and Rachel's sitting next to me going like, the fuck is so funny? But then after that, we meet Alma and then, you know, she's having that crisis. She gets a call from Joey and she's like, I don't want to answer it even though it's buzzing all over the place. Yeah, back when people actually had their phones on vibrate. She basically looks like me when I get a 
a phone call. <laughs> like she's getting she's getting that uh, that shut in anxiety that the world is reaching out and she doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Like that's that's me looking at my phone. I mean, she's way ahead of her time though. This is before social anxiety went mainstream. <laughs> I hate fucking talking on the phone. I hate people, which makes the fact that I do this way weirder. <laughs> well, this is a nice controlled environment and you can edit out your awkward moments if you want to. That's true. You don't always do it, but you can if you want to. And you That's know because that power sometimes is there. it's funny. Everything she does is awkward. So I wrote, she doesn't answer it, but awkwardly. She doesn't answer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, then Elliot comes home and he's like, holy shit, they're evacuating the city and stuff. I'm going to get my bags packed. But... <laughs> Right before that, this is another thing. I think this movie's known for like three lines, and this is one of them where they're she's watching the news and that scientist is there and he's like, Well, I don't know, neurotransmitters or some shit. Oh no, the scientist is not there yet. No, it's a different it's yeah. a different scientist. And I think right now it's another J person. The newscaster oh, really? is a J person. Their uh, name is on the screen and it is Janine. Neurotransmitters and shit, so they don't know what's ex- what exactly is going on. They're like, it might be natural, all that shit. But there's toxins in the air, of course. Alma looks at the tv she does she's talking to elliot i think (laughs) she's like looking at the tv and she goes it makes you kill yourself just when you thought there couldn't be any more evil that could be invented this is this is another one of those prime examples of them over narrating this movie that is a good line though that that made me laugh also (laughs) Uh, just as they're about to leave the fucking mood ring the mood ring will come back later there's a newspaper that says Philadelphia on it because apparently a bunch of people are getting murdered okay okay you 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 just said the mood ring as if anybody knows what you're talking about he picks up the mood ring he does off the uh he picks it up what is it the end table or something um, like that it's on a table because oh the nightstand it's on the nightstand and he picks it up because he's rapidly gathering everything that's important to him so they can get the fuck out of I guess you could explain it if you really want to. And he grabs the mood ring because it's important to him. This is significant to the story. I just wanted to get to the part about the Philadelphia newspaper. Yeah. Because it doesn't come back. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't mean anything. (laughs) It just happens to be there. And it it doesn't have anything to do with the story either. It just says murder on the rise. Yeah. Sure. Why not? (laughs) It's like... (laughs) What the fuck does that have to do? Nobody murders anybody in this movie. Nobody murders anybody. No, that's not true. They just commit suicide. Those two those two little kids. Oh, no. Yeah, that's true. Fuck. Two people get murdered in this movie. Neither of them in Philadelphia. They're all out in the boonies. Because they're dealing with rednecks. People <laughs> forget. In... Rednecks are dangerous. They're still in Pennsylvania. That's right. Pennsylvania red... Yankee rednecks. <laughs> Holy fuck. How scary is that idea? They all meet at the train station. Julian, Jess, Alma, Elliot more awkward pretty much except for jess jess is so fucking cute i love her so much nobody can get mad at her if you watch in that scene when both of them are just pissed the fuck off with julian who do they talk to oh they talk to jess of course they're like what's wrong with you what you're wrong about her she just needs time to figure it out come on don't get all sensitive just give her a chance okay fine if you don't want my help i don't want your help duh i heard it jess could you ask your dad for my ticket please thank you i'll see you on the train jess how old is he? Oh my god. <laughs> He's your best friend. I mean, yes, he now granted, Julian is a shitty friend. First off, there's that scene at the school. Then there's this scene. <laughs> he looks at Zoe Deschanel and he's like, Okay, good. Why don't I'm we really go? glad you chose to come? Nice. Um, Elliot, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. You told him about no. Why did he say that? He guessed. I love 
love you, Ellie, but I don't like to put my feelings out there for everyone to see. I'm not that type of person. Ellie, these are our problems. I am upset. I'm gonna sit alone and cool off. By the time we get there, I'll be fine. Is that okay? Fine. We do figure out that Philadelphia is finally getting hit by the toxin now. Cut to, I, I called a cop and a cabbie. They're talking and doing whatever cops and cabbies do together. <laughs> this is a beat cop and a cabbie stuck in traffic. And the beat cop's like, hey, Sal, how's it going? Wait a minute, what? You just walked up to a guy in traffic and he's a guy you, you're you on a first name basis with? What are the odds? The toxin is hitting these people now. It doesn't show it exactly, but you hear kind of off screen, the cop uses his gun, shoots himself, and falls down. Falls down into screen. And that is a really good effect. It is a really good effect, but then, I'm gonna, I'm gonna complain about it here in a minute though. Okay. Sal gets out of his car, picks up the gun, shoots himself, falls down in front of the camera, drops the gun. Uh, a lady that we don't actually see until she falls down after she shoots no, herself. No, we don't see. Oh, she, we oh don't that's see right. It fall. cuts away. It huh? cuts away. Who the fuck shoots themselves in their forehead like that? That is the, I agree with you. That is the problem <laughs> with this scene. But the effect is so good. But again, this is, I feel, really in keeping with the aesthetic of that movie because in those old movies, it was more about the theatricality of what you were showing than it was about the accuracy of what you were showing. And so having the bullet hole be middle front of the forehead, you know, just, just dead center. That's hard. Like you just pulling the like trigger just, with your thumb? I, I know, exactly. Like he had to pull the trigger with his thumb, which is why the gun immediately fell to the ground rather than get hung up on his index finger. It's like the logic in uh, Boone dog saints you know what i'm talking about right he's like why would you cock your arms out you would just do this i'm like but not if you're just like at a certain angle shut up you're supposed to be a good cop get the fuck out of here i have no idea what the fuck you're talking about because it's been literally i'm gonna say 10 years since the last time i watched Boondock saints. Uh, the first time the first time when the when the when the boys actually like make their first official official gang kill they have that okay. one guy in the center of the room and they do their you know they shepherd's weasel b thing and they right. shoot him in the head willem dafoe comes and he's like look at the angle on those gunshots it has to be two shooters because if it was one guy he would just point it straight ahead he wouldn't cock your elbows to both to cock your elbows out or whatever it makes no sense but i'm like okay your logic is flawless i guess <laughs> i'm granted troy duffy wrote that and he might not be the smartest person <laughs> in the world are you saying that that bartender <laughs> douchebag have you seen overnight a fucking genius <laughs> yes i start i made it about 30 minutes in and i was like okay i need a break from this guy i hate right that now. guy so much like oof and when i learned about him it made me dislike his movie <laughs> quite a bit I still love the movie. But again, I'm a guy who can completely I can completely separate an artist from their art. So on the train, Alma calls Joey and she's like, dude, we went out once. We had tiramisu like one time and I told you that was all it was. Chill the fuck out. And then she's like, wait a minute. Philadelphia is getting hit and everyone, everyone on the train learns that Philly was just hit and all that shit. Because of her, I imagine. No, it's not just her. Everybody, like people all over the train start getting the phone call, you know. I just like that she does, she does the very traditional old movie thing. Oh, where, she, where you can't hear like, anything on the other side. Exactly. So she, Bob Newhart style, re-narrates everything that he's saying. What? It's happening again in Philly. Philadelphia? Everybody learned shit. The train ends up stopping in this podunk little town called Filbert. Did you did you look up the trivia about Filbert? No. There's an IMDb trivia, and apparently at some point in Filbert, now again, this is based on an IMDb trivia, so I can't swear that this is true, just that it's on IMDb under the trivia section. Apparently in Filbert, all of the three ideas that are posited at the beginning of the movie in the classroom as possible reasons for the bees disappearing exist in Filbert or 
something like something like that. I'm not 100% sure exactly how what that means because the trivia thing was kind of strangely worded, like whether it means that like there's a monument showing all three of these ideas or whether like actual examples of all three potential causes exist in Filbert. I'm not sure. There is like a nuclear power plant in Filbert, I think. Yes. They sort of take the time to show you it. When the, they go to the hot dog guy's you house. You call him the hot dog guy. I wrote that down. That's his name. Everybody calls him the hot dog guy. The hot dog guy's house right behind it is the fucking two giant fucking nuclear silos. Okay, I was going to look at trivia on the IMDb, but I decided to click on reviews instead. Oh, shit. <laughs> Probably some gold in there. <laughs> the title of this one just made me laugh. It's two out of ten, and it says, more like the crap in <laughs> <laughs> which is so simple and that just <laughs> very on the nose but you know so, sometimes the biggest truths are simple uh six out of ten mark Wahlberg week anyways i'm gonna move on from that before i go down that fucking rabbit hole more like the crappening elliot walks up to the to the train people and he's like sir train service has been discontinued this will be the last stop for all passengers oh, hey what do you mean where are we Filbert, Pennsylvania. Filbert? Does anybody know where that is? Why are you giving me one useless piece of information at a time? What's going on? Hey, why would you just stop? You can't just leave us here. Sir, we lost contact. With whom? Everyone. We've lost con- I hate when they fucking do this. I hate this dialogue in good movies, too. Like, we lost contact. With whom? Because that's how that's how Mark Wahlberg talks in the He's movie. He's a teacher. With whom? Which sounds so fucking weird coming out of his- With whom? Out of his mouth. Like, And then they go- No, Marky Mark, you should not be saying <laughs> yeah, whom. Say, I can't feel these vibrations. <laughs> uh, um, and then they say, everyone. I'm like, fuck dun, you. Dun. Fuck you so hard. <laughs> Oh my god. So we learn that Jess whispers when she gets scared also. So she's all freaked out. So she's just whispering to her dad. Zoe Deschanel is like, Jess, you and I are the same. <laughs> yeah. We, I don't like to express my emotions either. And John Leguizamo just looks over like, fuck you. My daughter's not like you. No, my daughter has emotions. What's wrong with your face? <laughs> Zoe Deschanel's not always good, but like she always has some kind of personality. Yeah, good, well, good or she bad. was great in Five Hundred Days of Summer. Like yeah, she was, she was actually ac- good in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Per- now, don't get me wrong. As I said before, I do think Zoe Deschanel is perfectly cast for what this movie is for all the wrong reasons. Well, she's perfectly cast as a bad actress. Is she a bad actress though? Like really? No, I, I, I don't necessarily okay. think so. I've never seen Brick or anything, so she's not in Brick. She's in Manic. Sorry. Wrong <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. I've seen Manic. She's in multiple Joseph Gordon-Levitt movies? Two, apparently. Okay. <laughs> so, they're in this diner and Again, more weird fucking dialogue. Julian is going to get Jess some food because, you know, that's what you do. You keep kids quiet by feeding them and shit. He's like, you'll have the grilled cheese plain with milk. Grilled cheese plain with milk. I think it means he's on a teacher's salary and uh, he can't (laughs) afford shit. So he's like, you're going to get the cheapest goddamn thing on the menu, kid. And then he's like, do you want to come with me? You want to come wait in line with me? Elliot looks at him and goes, dude, go get the fucking milk. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I got it, bro. Just get the food. And then he he uses this he uses the mood ring. The mood ring starts to become 
actually important here. This is kind of a sweet scene. It is. This little girl is so fucking cute. I love her. I love every scene she's in, except for the one that makes me sad. That's the only reason it, I kind of feel like she's wrong for this is because she's actually good. Yeah. And everybody like, <laughs> else is so intentionally bad. You know why she's good, though? Because she doesn't fucking talk. That's true. She's mostly just dead silent for the entire movie. Yeah. She says like three things. And they're early. And well, they're like at the very beginning and the very end. And then the whole middle of the movie, she's just quiet. And you hear her like giggling and making doing doing something like right towards the end, but not quite at the end. She's happy, but she doesn't actually say anything. I don't think. Yeah, she has like one line at the end. He shows her the mood ring and he says, hey, you know, this thing, this thing can tell you what people are people are feeling. It's, it can read people's energy or whatever. This is the only time when Mark Wahlberg's condescending energy actually works because he's talking to a little, little child. Little kid, right? <laughs> yeah. So he, he puts it on her and he says, okay, well let's, let's see. And it turns whatever color it was, yellow or something. Yellow. And he's like, you know what that means? That means you're gonna laugh soon. I'm like, dude, she just learned that her mom might be dead. She, so... <laughs> Eh, so maybe maybe she doesn't need to laugh right now. Uh, but, of course, he's like, oh, we'll, we'll wait. And I'm like, he actually handled this pretty well, for the most part. And she she giggles a little bit. Yeah, well, because he kind of does that thing, that staring contest thing, yeah. where he's kind of staring at her. He's like, hey, we got all day. There's no rush. We can wait till it happens. And just kind of staring at her, and she just kind of starts cracking. And then there's a cool, there, there, this scene's fucking cool, and it's gross and <laughs> no, awesome. No, this scene, <laughs> I this is, this is where, like, I just started laughing uncontrollably. Same. Because what? What kind of fucking sociopath <laughs> hands that fucking video into a conversation between a guy and this little traumatized child? She she doesn't even know these people. Like, yeah. She just, she's just like, look what's happening. She's just like, check out this fucked up shit here small child look at this and it's it's a video of a dude in a in a lion enclosure at a zoo that'd be like that'd be like <laughs> me walking into it walking into a, a a fucking denny's back in 2008 and just walking up to a family like hey look at this taliban beheading video you're not gonna believe this yeah, the dude my daughter just <laughs> sent this to me the dude gets his arms ripped off and shit it's and it's like sweet. it's like awful cgi compositing it's really fucking weird and funny yeah it looks terrible <laughs> and it's perfect we see the news report they're like we thought it was terrorists but we don't think it's terrorists anymore this guy pops on at the back of the restaurant and he's like they don't think it's terrorists anymore and he's there to deliver that one line <laughs> and turn the tv off and that's it or the tv on rather and that's it they show a map and they're like it's it's mostly contained to the northeast and they're like, where are we? And he just points to the screen. It looks like it's not happening about 90 miles to the west or whatever. Let's walk. In the middle of the news report, the power goes out. Yep. So my question is, how do the plants do that? Yeah, it's like there's a there's two giant fucking <laughs> nuclear power plants the, like uh, like three miles away from this diner. The power goes out because M Night Shyamalan thought it should. So everyone in the diner hears that, and they're and the power goes out, and they're freaking out. They all scatter, and they basically leave all of our main characters behind. But the hot dog guy and his wife stick around because they're not shitty people. They're nice enough to drive up to the last two remaining people <laughs> in this place who cannot get a ride and be like, "Hey, you want some hot dogs?" <laughs> Oh, no, sorry. I'm, that's later. Uh, <laughs> that's later. You want a ride? Um, and some hot dogs? <laughs> they're going to get a ride with this guy. But then Julian, he's like, those guys are going to Princeton, which is where his wife was headed. Yeah, she was on a bus to Princeton. Those guys are those guys are going to Princeton. Brian O'Halloran and a bunch of other people that Brian O'Halloran, who again is only visible in the rear view mirror for like a second, and, and a it's half. like half his face. He has dis- such distinct features. If you're into Clerks, you will know who he is. Yeah, he has really distinct eyes and eyebrows. Yes, and a voice, but it's not his fucking voice. I swear <laughs> yeah. it's not. No, I just spotted his voice a mile away. Julian's gonna gonna go, and he's like, I, mean, I can't get a bit on the phone or email or nothing. How long? 
It's been about two hours. She was on that bus headed to Princeton. There's a car over there headed to pick up friends and family, and they said they could squeeze one more. She was looking for a birthday present for Jess. Some kind of dollhouse. That's why she wasn't with us. Look, I'm, I'm just gonna go get her, and I'm gonna bring her back, and I'm gonna find you guys. I just, I need, I need you to take Jess, okay? She's gonna be a lot safer with you. Don't do this to me. I'm doing my best here not to fall down. I'm sure the probability of Princeton not being hit is good. Yeah. Yeah, you want me to throw some figures and percentages at you so we both feel better? Please. All right. 62% chance. 62% chance he hasn't even been hit. Oh, you go get her, Jules, okay? Of course, man, of course. Come on, this awesome weird event. That's all. We're all gonna be fine. I'm gonna find you guys real soon. I have to go. I got her, Julie. Don't take my daughter's hand unless you mean it. He is going into a known potential hotspot. Granted, they don't fully understand what the rules are, but he knows that... He hasn't gotten any phone calls from his wife. He knows it's possible that he goes in there and finds she's dead. And if she's dead, that means he's dead because he's going to be breathing the same air. He knows he's potentially walking into a death trap, but he loves his wife. He's got to go find her. He's got to know, you know, if there's any chance, he's got to go save her. But he doesn't want to drag his daughter into this. Unlike Zoe Deschanel at the end of the goddamn movie. <laughs> it's not her daughter. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he leaves it with he, he leaves his daughter with Marky Mark, always a good choice. So he gets in this Jeep and he drive they 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 drive away and my next note is gee, I wonder if he's gonna die with how fucking dramatic that camera zoom out is. We do a nice fucking Ronnie U slow-mo shot where they where they just slow down the regular film image to where it looks all stuttery and shit. Yeah. Oh Ronnie U. That was exact right. that was all I could think of. I was like, fucking Ronnie U, man. Uh, we love Ronnie U. I don't know if we we love him, but I love fucking Warriors of Virtue. That movie's so stupid. The two Ronnie U movies I've seen, Freddy vs. Jason and mm. Warriors of Virtue, I love just like this movie for all the wrong reasons. We get to the hot dog guy's house. They walk in because he's like, I, I own a plant nursery. We uh, gotta go there and get some shit. They walk into this greenhouse and the first thing he does is, you guys like hot dogs? We're packing hot dogs for the road. You know, hot dogs get a bad rap. Got a cool shape. They got protein. You like hot dogs, right? By the way, I think I know what's causing this. You do? It's the plants. They can release chemicals. You like hot dogs, don't you? He's really all over the place here in this cold conversation. He's like, guess what? I know what's causing this. It's the plants because they're getting pissed off because we're doing a bunch of dumb shit to them. And they can do this and this and this and all this scientific shit. They've done studies on this because he's like being nice and talking to the plants and stuff, which will come back. And then he looks at Zoe Deschanel. You like hot dogs, right? She's like, no. She says it in the <laughs> weirdest fucking way, too. She, she barely, she doesn't say it. She just nods her head and like mouths the word no. Yeah, but she kind of like, head. she kind of perks up in a, in like she suddenly gets really happy to tell him no. Yeah. yeah and also, who the fuck did these assholes think they are not liking hot dogs and shit <laughs> well hot dogs you know they they have a cool shape they're full of protein they get a bad rap this dude loves his hot dogs also he's eating the hot dog cold later yes. in the bun yeah that is upsetting okay. to look at in the end it does turn out that it's the plants let's cut back to the jeep for this okay, very very this heartwarming very happy scene this actually bummed <laughs> me out quite a bit this is where they see the fucking the hanging bodies. They they're they're driving through Princeton. They that finally make it there, shot. and it's it's super creepy. There's just like six bodies just hanging there. Well, they kind of they kind of roll in slow. They start slowing down, and it does this angle shot on the jeep, and it's just showing them looking up Good. as if they Good. don't quite know what they're seeing, which doesn't make any fucking sense if you think about it. But it's a <laughs> it, it's a good setup on that first watch, and then it reverses, and we suddenly see, like you said, like six hanging 
hanging bodies, but it starts by showing all these ladders going up into the trees off of this this landscaping company's truck, right? I was like, just asking myself, how the fuck did they get up there? But ladders. Okay, yeah, yep. no, there's a landscaping company's truck stopped. And then there are all these ladders going up into the trees. And then the camera turns and reveals all these dead bodies <laughs> hanging. And it's a great shot. It really is. I'm laughing, but it's really fucked up. It was a good shot. That was, yeah, probably one of the best shots, actual shots in the movie. Yeah, there's there's a few really great shots in this movie. Because M. Night Shyamalan's a decent director. He just makes some fucking weird choices. Sometimes. Well, that's the, that's the thing. That's the reason I say this is a great bad movie like you took a director who had skill and he went after making a really bad movie <laughs> then this girl in the back seat starts flipping the fuck out as you would it's fair sure 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 it's believe it's not believable the way she does no. it she would have started screaming before all of the bodies are visible you know maybe when that first one came into be like oh god but uh, okay i can accept it because yeah. of the type of movie this is and then, of course, Julian turns around and goes, hey, you like math problems? We're going to do a math problem together. He, he calls it a math riddle, though. Then he, it's, it's the thing where he's like, if I give you a penny, and then the next day I give you two pennies, and the next day I give you four pennies, how much will you have at the end of the month? And she's like, $10, $20. And he's like, no, higher, keep going, keep going. Just keep looking at me, keep going. So he's trying. He's, he's doing all right. And apparently you'll have $10 million at the end of that thing. I don't fucking know. Oh, it doesn't even make sense. By the way, as this is happening, they, they said, you know, he was like, quick, close the vents, block up on any cracks in the doors or anything like that. And, yeah. and so they all start trying to seal up the car. Then this math problem ends with him looking up at the canvas top of the Jeep, which just has a big rip in it. And the wind is blowing in through it. Apparently, according to the math problem, it works out as being the 10 million plus number because or rather if the month has 30 days, if the month has 31 days, however, it's 20 million plus. So naturally the air's getting in. So there the toxins there. Of course it is. So Dante, he stops the Jeep. That's the only thing that is that like takes me out of it what that he stops that he hits the brake oh yeah because the whole idea is when it first happens they just kind of freeze up for him to take his foot off the gas would make total sense but not to hit the brake because that's exerting force that's an that's an act of will take your foot off the gas is just kind of you know like losing control like letting go but it doesn't take them long for him to just fucking put the pedal down and they rams into a tree and apparently everybody dies except julian who is completely unharmed well he's a little shell-shocked yeah but if everybody else died (laughs) In fairness, it's not exactly plausible, but it does lead to a really good scene. And it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, he gets out and he walks behind the Jeep, sits down, and then just kind of looks off to the side, grabs a piece of glass and starts cutting himself. Very casually. He just casually grabs this piece of glass and just starts slashing at his own wrists. You know, it's happy. It's a a happy moment. We're going to cut back to some more stupid here before we get to the sadness again. Elliot and everybody, they're driving down the road. They stop the car. One of them says, is that a bunch of dead animals in the road? Yeah, it's dead animals yeah, in this, the road. <laughs> again, at this we're point, throwing back to the 50s and 60s B-movies. Come on, in this in this situation, your first thought is not dead animals. No. First um, thought is, oh fuck, is that a bunch of corpses? And he wants to go look at it, Elliot does, and he's like looking at Alma and he's like, shut the fuck up, don't say anything because you don't want to freak Jess out. And then she's like, it's bodies, I knew it was bodies. I'm like, no, no fucking no, shit. No, no, before that, you skipped oh over God. the best line of oh, this whole sequence. Okay. The best line of this whole sequence is, well, right after they stop hot dog and his wife in the front of the car his wife leans over and says we've got binoculars in for in the back from when you were spying on the neighbors <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
This line is a treasure trove of over-explanation. <laughs> they decide, hey, uh, uh, we're going to go back a little ways. It's, it's okay, Jess. We just got it. We're going to go back. We're going to take take another take another direction, take another turn. As they're driving, they this is a line that I fucking wrote down. It's the army. We're safe. It's one guy. <laughs> what a post-9-11 <laughs> attitude, huh? It's fucking one guy. And he's not really a bad dude. He's kind of a bumbling oh, no. dork. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's He's comic relief for sure. Like he's got that he's got that line where he's like where where they're like about eight miles back, there's a bunch of dead bodies. He's like, oh, cheese and crackers. Cheese and crackers, yes. It's at the military base. Where everybody's, yeah. <laughs> this guy's, he's, also, a Co- he's a Coen Brothers character. They inserted a Coen Brothers character into this movie for no fucking reason. Also, are there people that are immune to this? Because the girl from the beginning, nothing happened to her as far as we know. Like, she was, she was just watching it. Well, I mean, statistically, what do they say? Something like at least 0.1% of the population is going to be immune no matter what it is. Dude, um, that, and that's in real life. They didn't, that's not in the movie. No, no, yeah, that's like that's that's real life. Like no matter how deadly a virus is, they say statistically at least 0.1% of the population is just going to naturally be immune to it. We don't need masks or mandates or vaccinations or anything. All See? we need to do is lose 99.99% of the population. It's fine. Thanos was like half right. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Thanos thought too small. All he did was take us back to 1978. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you know you have the Infinity Gauntlet, right? You could have just been like, snap, there's enough for everybody. Maybe one day we'll we'll tackle the Infinity thing and that'll be, that'll Never. really be something. I've abandoned my quest to review every fucking MCU movie. People are kind of coming from all directions now and the military guy's like, stop, stop, fucking it. And then they're like, shit's happening this way. And he's like, well, fuck, we can't go that way. And they're like, shit's happening this way. Fuck, we can't go that way. So there's only one direction they can go in, I guess. No, no, no. There are four roads and, and they're at the junction of these yes. four roads. Oh, yeah, the One's a dirt road and then there's three paved roads. And our party, uh, Hot Dog Man and Marky Mark and Zoe Deschanel, and <laughs> they all came from one way and then the military guy came from another way and then while they're talking people come up the other two roads oh really they all report that basically the same story about five miles down the road anywhere between five and ten miles down the road bunch of dead bodies so basically they're like this junction we just can't leave it eventually uh alma's looking at her phone and joey calls and elliot looks down and goes who's joey and she's like nobody it's nobody and then he doesn't even care. He's just, yeah, he just, he's so unsuspicious. Yeah, and he's like, I can't, I can't get through to Elliot. I can't, can't find, I can't get through anybody here. I guess suspicious is the wrong word for me to use there. He's un, he's unaffected. He 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 believes in his wife. But what's the word I'm looking for? There's a word I'm looking for. Stupid. No, fuck. He, um, <laughs> she was acting suspiciously, but he is. A simp. Suffice to say, he does not suspect her. Doesn't even enter his mind. A lady is talking to her daughter on the phone. This also is pretty dark and kind of fucked up. This Who the scene. fuck would have this conversation and just turn the phone on so everybody could hear it? That's where this conversation jumps the shark for me is well, when she puts it on speaker for everyone to hear. Well, at first she's talking. She's talking on the phone just to her daughter. She's like, oh, hey, uh, stay. Stay by the window with the tree and tell us what's going on. And Elliot's like, wait a minute, plants? Something fucking weird? Tell her to get the hell away from the tree. And she's like, stay away from the tree. And then... <laughs> no question. She does not question him at all. She's just immediately, this guy told me something, so yeah. you better fucking do it. Yeah. She's like, so what do you see? There's like, oh, is everybody's dead outside. And he's like, oh, fuck, don't fucking... But somehow, it doesn't matter. The toxin got in anyways. Got into her dorm or whatever because she's at a college in fucking in princeton where where uh julian is she probably had the window open let's be honest then we hear her say calculus i'm calculus or whatever one of the first signs of the of the 
toxin is that you start speaking all weird. And then we hear her just casually run and jump out the window. Well, we hear the window shatter is yeah. what we hear. And then he's like, I hear the wind blowing through the window. <laughs> That's right, because he was on the phone. Yeah, she was on speaker. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's pretty fucked up. That's pretty dark. (laughs) And then the mother, like, fucking has a breakdown, just starts screaming into the phone. And Marky Mark's like, ah, fuck it. Just walks away. But uh, not really, because now now he knows. Yeah, he's... Obviously, like he's he's very brokenhearted because he knows that this basically means that Julian is dead. Yes. So he goes and sits and kind of he's he's sulking and little Jess, she knows something's up. So she walks over to him and, you know, she whispers in his ear something and he's like, you know, hey, you you, you can see him. You can't hear the dialogue, but you see you, you can see him talking and he starts crying and she starts crying and they hug. And I'm like, God damn it. This is the scene where I'm like, motherfucker, yep. this movie's so fucking stupid, but they got me right here. Yep. I, I didn't cry, but I wanted to a little. And then almost just watching all, all puppy dog, but dead, dead puppy dog guys. <laughs> a little while later, the hot dog guy starts talking about plants evolving and shit, and I didn't catch any of it because I'm not that fucking smart. This, this guy talks really fast. You know, plants have the ability to target specific threats. Tobacco plants, when attacked by Heliothis caterpillars will send out a chemical attracting wasps to kill just those caterpillars. We don't know how plants attain these abilities. They they just evolve very rapidly. Which species do you think is doing it if you think it's true? Plants have the ability to communicate with other species of plants. The trees can communicate with bushes, bushes with grass, and everything in between. It's implied that the toxin is uh, now attacking smaller and smaller populations the military guy says something about it started in major cities and then it moved to smaller cities basically at this point it's attacking the roads because he's that's what they all saw is they saw dead bodies on the roads yeah he says so basically we're in the zone of attack now so we got to get the fuck out of here and marky mark's like i have no reason to argue with that so the bigger group splits up into like a couple of a couple groups well when they split up though before they split up the military guy is all like we have to stay in a group but we need to break up into two groups one of the people who are ready to go right now (laughs) and one of the people who need to get things from their cars first and little jess is like let's get the fuck out of here right now please (laughs) and now alma tells tells elliot while they're walking or while they're walking about joey what's wrong okay i was gonna tell you okay there was this guy joey his name is Joey. He's at work. We went out and we had dessert. I went out and I had dessert with him when I told you I worked late and I didn't work late. And I'm feeling really guilty in case we're going to die. I just wanted you to know that. You lied to me. So now we cut to the other group. Of course, the toxin's hitting them. The, the military guy stops and he starts screaming, my firearm is my friend. I mean, it's not just that. It's not just the guy, military guy screaming. There, there's this group of guys that are co- sort of ahead of the main group and they start fighting. They're like having an argument like, I'm in charge of this fucking group. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm the leader. They're following me, blah, blah, blah. And then they suddenly go still. And as they go still, the military guy goes still sort of halfway between that group and the other group that has hot dog guy in it and then he starts shouting my firearm is my friend and then he starts walking backwards and shit and then it's like and then hot dog guy's like oh fuck we're all dead you sounded like squirrely dan there for a second i takes a bit of offense to that miss katie says i have a naturally low voice and i do like to say oh fuck oh fuck except when i don't do it in pornos in the other group with alma and elliot and shit they they hear it even elliot the kind of nice dude and willing to like help everybody that he has been he's like they're getting killed over there. They're already dead. Let's fucking go. Let's go. Let's go this way. Let's go away from them. And almost like, dude, we got to go save them. What? We're not assholes. I think is basically what it boils down to. Well, he also is sort of having a, a 
an existential crisis. A lock-in crisis or whatever. Yep. I think, I can't remember if it's called lock-in or if it's called like lock-up or something. It, it, it's something like that, where the idea is that in a crisis moment, you lose the ability to act and, <laughs> and you just kind of get frozen in a loop of trying to figure out what to do. Oh, no. I don't know. The toxin? The toxin is affecting them? Are those people killing themselves? You were with a private. What do we do? We need to do something. Just let me think. They're dying. I need a second. They released it? We're not near the road. We can't just stand here as an uninvolved observer. I need a second, okay? Just give me a second. We're not going to be one of those assholes on the news who watches a crime happen and not do something. We're not assholes. Just a second. There were children in that room. Elliot, please tell us what to do. I need a second, okay? Why can't anybody give me a goddamn second? I'd be scientific, douchebag. Identify the variables. That's the two groups. Design an experiment. That's what we're freaking Careful observation measurement. That's what I'm trying to do. Interpret the experimental data. Interpret. What if it is the plants? And this is where I we we see like the wind wall too. He's like, I think we just need to stay ahead of the wind and we'll be fine. But it cuts to a shot of the wind kind of blowing, but it's like blowing in these like blocks and it starts here and it fucking just kind of inches its way up. I'm like, that's weird. Does wind do that? This again is a very 50s, 60s sci-fi thing, like where it gives you a strong visual representation of a force, but it's done in the most low budget way possible. Like basically <laughs> they got big fans and set them out side of frame and just kicked them on to signify this wall of wind moving forward. You know, they kicked them on in sequence. It's actually a fairly strong effect considering the type of movie this is. That's, of course, the caveat to all of this. They end up getting caught in the wind, like the wind blows right past them, but nothing actually happens to any of them. Yeah, they're running in terror as the yeah. wind is hot on their heels, catching up, catching up, catching, getting closer, closer, closer. And then suddenly it's on them and blowing past them. And they're like, nothing happened. Yeah, so I'm like, fine, sure, why not? Uh, we meet the new kids, Jared and Josh. Yeah, so now it's it's just Marky Mark, Zoe Deschanel, the kid, and Jared and Josh. Yes. There's an abandoned truck, which essentially serves no purpose, aside from them, uh, Elliot looking over and going like, hey, look, a house. I feel like that scene was <laughs> cut down. That there was a body reveal during that scene, but I think he cut it out because it didn't serve the story. And I agree, actually, in this case, because, well, because when, when Mark Wahlberg is looking inside the truck, there's this buzzing of flies that is very prominent on the soundtrack. Yeah. So my thought is the reason that doesn't work is because it would have been just a group of at most two or three people. And it's not affecting groups that small yet. You know, if it was, these guys would all be dead. So I feel like that's the reason it probably got cut because it, it wouldn't work in the framework of the story. They killed themselves because it was getting too fucking, too fucking stressful. Maybe. Anyway, uh, suffice to say, we never get a body reveal. There's, it's never indicated other than that buzzing of flies. And this is where we go to the model house, which we talked talked about already no, no. a little bit. They do go. They go. They go oh, right oh, to the no, model house. Oh no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The model house is next. That's yeah. right. Okay, I, I was I was jumping the gun. I. <laughs> We'll get to the other literally. House in a minute. So they do. They and Elliot talks to the plant. And he's like, "It's okay." He's doing what the guy did with his plants earlier. The hot dog guy. He's like, <laughs> "Yeah." He, he, <laughs> they're inside the house and they're having this conversation about is it the plants? Isn't it the plants? And then Zoe Deschanel goes to take Jess to the bathroom and then he looks and there's this plant across the room and he's like, he he starts walking up to. Him, he's like, "Hello, my name is Elliot Moore. I'm just going to talk in a very positive manner." <laughs> 
good vibes. We're just here to use the bathroom. And then we're just gonna leave. I hope that's okay. Stay the fuck away from that ficus. That's a jizz-free ficus. And then he has that that conversation with Josh Spencer Breslin about you know what what could be causing it and being ever the science teacher. This and guy. Th- and that is the mo again that is the moment where this movie goes so far into the surreal that I felt like it had to be a practical joke because <laughs> yes. again I was yeah. watching it looking for a good movie still and it was not it was determinedly not giving that to me and uh and yeah and then when he picks up that wine glass i was like this is fucking breaking my brain man <laughs> i think prior to them leaving the house they leave because a big group of people is coming and, and, like, and we cut to it in sort of a detached way that there's all these people now migrating through the uh the the model home community and and these groups start to merge and suddenly the group is too big. This is another one of those cool kills. Kills, I guess. <laughs> suicides. Yeah. Cool suicides. Where the dude fucking lays down in front of this giant lawnmower. Yeah. It's a good It's a good shot. They don't quite go as far as I would have liked them to go with that, which is to say there was a whole group of people. I would have liked to see the lawnmower take everybody out. Oh, dude, out. that would have been awesome. But uh, it, it's it's okay. Like, I understand logistically it was probably tough. Like, they had to get a stuntman to lie down and let this you know, this this rigged lawnmower run over him, which could have gone very wrong and resulted <laughs> yeah. in him getting hurt, you know. I mean, I don't think there was any danger of him getting chopped up, but, you know, just like getting run over by something that big could, could really hurt you. I do appreciate that Jared ends up giving Elliot relationship advice for like a second. <laughs> Elliot has the exact same reaction I had where he's like, oh, thanks, I'll take that under advisement without saying, you dumb little fuck. He says something polite to him, but with a tone of fuck you. <laughs> and then Alma finds a radio and they turn it on and they're like, this is a thing that's happening and nothing, like you didn't cut that scene out. Yeah, that like, one probably could have gotten cut and nobody would have missed it. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say this. I'm going to say this. The next important thing that happens, cough syrup. <laughs> oh my god and he is so earnest and sincere when he gives his cough syrup speech. that is such a stupid <laughs> such a stupid sequence but it's it's actually kind of sweet like of all the of all the stupid dialogue in this movie this is kind of sweet so he says if we're gonna die i want you to know something i was in a pharmacy a while ago it was a really good looking pharmacist behind the counter really good looking i went up and i asked where the cough syrup was I didn't even have a cough, and I almost bought it. And I'm talking about a completely superfluous bottle of cough syrup, which that's like six bucks. Go away. That is the dumbest. <laughs> and then she looks like she's dying on the inside for a sec. Like, it's it's the only time in the entire goddamn movie where she's actually acting. She looks like her soul just died, and then she goes, are you joking? And he just kind of looks at her and slowly nods, and then she's like, Thank you. What the fuck? <laughs> like, that had a purpose. Uh, I think that was just them making up. Kind yeah, of. no, I get it. Like, it was. <laughs> but what a weird fucking sequence for this movie. In and of itself, it's a pretty good scene, actually. But in the context of this movie, it's so head scratchy. <laughs> Most of it is. Uh, now they end up 
at this fucking weird house in the middle of nowhere because they're like you know what let's just see let's just let's go in there let's nobody can live there because this house looks like shit yeah it looks like it's it totally looks like it's abandoned so Jess is hungry. She's a little kid. Let's just, she needs a 10 minute break and some food. How fucking specific. It would have made more sense if she was like a kindergarten teacher or something. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, it would. Cause she, she has that thing. Yeah. She, she and she's kind of got that vibe anyway. She's a kindergarten teacher in new girl. Well, See, she's a, she's a teacher. I don't know if she's a kindergarten. teacher. Okay. I don't know. I've never watched new girl, but I could totally buy her as someone who works with small children in some context. Yeah. Rednecks are apparently the biggest fucking idiots on the planet. <laughs> so the, the, Josh, Josh is like, Hey, you know what? We can, we can break in. And Elliot's like, dude, no. What are we fucking gangbangers now? Would we just take whatever we want? Like, he's not your kid. Go away. <laughs> and then, and then he has, this like this delightfully earnest moment where he's like well i guess we could leave some money or something he tries to open the door he he goes to like try to open the door like kick it in and then jared the other kid he's like i see somebody moving in there the people inside finally chime in and they're like get the fuck out of here we don't want you bringing that toxin in here with us i'm like dude your shutters are open yeah like (laughs) they're like don't let in the poison gas every fucking window in this house is open we can hear them crystal clear and yeah they're shuttered but the shutters all have broken you know, broken slats and shit. And the windows are clearly open because of hit, what happens yeah. next. Well, <laughs> before before that, Josh, like, starts kicking on the door and banging on it. It's like, you fucking pussies. We just want some food for a little girl, you fucking assholes. <laughs> and oh, and Jesus, Marky Mark is like, Josh, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. Come on. And I completely agree. But, like, this is a moment where, personally, I think you need to go in there and physically restrain Josh because Josh is clearly at some sort of breaking point <laughs> through no fault of his own. He's in a traumatic situation. Clearly, this is his way of dealing with it. But you're bigger and stronger, and you're the adult with the cool who is supposed to be having a cool head in this situation. I missed a point. Before Josh starts freaking out and kicking on the door, Marky Mark stands in front of the door and goes, Hey, man, it's all cool. We're normal. We're fine right now. Nothing's happened out here yet. I mean, you can see that. Just listen to our voices. We're perfectly normal. On Blackwater, keep on rolling. Mississippi moon, won't you keep on shining on me? See? We're normal. Who is that, like Sticks or something? I don't Steely know. Dan. Steely Dan. There you is go. it really Steely Dan? I was kidding. Oh, is I don't know. I don't I don't know. But it but it totally sounds like it could be Steely Dan. That was another fucking super funny thing before something really <laughs> fucked up and tragic happens. Yeah, and now it suddenly gets uh, dark again. Yeah, the so the door opens and the barrel of this fucking shotgun or whatever it is, this rifle gun thing. It's a pop, shotgun. It's, pop, a, it's a 12 gauge. It pops out and you see Elliot just like the look out of it. He's like, oh shit. And he runs over there. He tries to grab it. But just as he grabs it, the guy pulls the trigger, fucking blows Josh away. And then Jared's looking over at him like, oh fuck. And then another fucking gun pops out of the window. Like, yep. And then blows his fucking head off. I'm like, okay, you just murdered two teenagers. That was fucked up. Also, as the door opens, the the redneck inside goes, you're gonna let the poison gas oh, yeah. in. And, and then he let blows the, he... this kid away through the door that is now open and wasn't before but actually you know what this totally checks out i grew up among rednecks uh i would 100 buy it going down exactly like that <laughs> and then we cut to like a weird montage of people watching the news and there's like a la- ladies in gas masks which actually makes fucking sense and then there's some doomsday preppers there's a family sitting in a bathtub but they're all watching and listening to the same news reports and then you know after that it's it, it's it's kind of fucked up oh they're like oh it might be the government and that's when we see the doomsday preppers <laughs> 
And they're like, you're goddamn right, it's the government. <laughs> they don't say it, but it's in their eyes. You can tell. You can tell that's what they're thinking. The three, the only characters that are fucking left, they find this house in the boonies. And they're like, there's no power hookups. There's doesn't look like anybody's like come or gone for, for Nobody's a driven while. on this driveway in a long time. And he's a, he walks up to the door and does he ring the bell? And she's like, that's for Clement Emmett or whatever the fuck the dog's name it's is. It's Clement. I remember specifically because I thought, I thought of Clementine and the line Jim Carrey has in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind where he's trying to hit on Kate Winslet in the the train. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so if I say he walks up and he kind of pulls on this bell and it is very clearly like an old school brass bell that's hanging from the porch from the roof of this porch then we hear the voice of this old woman and we sort of pan past mark Wahlberg's head and she's been <laughs> sitting there the whole time silently drinking lemonade or some shit lemon and staring drink. at him she's like you eyeing my lemon drink <laughs> that's right lemon <laughs> drink thank you no but i'm eyeing the creepy bitch who's just fucking staring at me she uh, is so deliberately antagonistic <laughs> but again totally checks out this this is a woman who has separated herself from society story checks out on this one i buy her completely she she might be the best actor of the whole movie and she's very over the top she is scary i don't like her one little bit <laughs> zoe deschanel later says there's something exorcist about her <laughs> and you know what that captures it pretty well oh uh, yeah this yeah. woman's pretty good what else have i seen her in because i feel like i uh she was in split oh that's right she was the psychologist in split wasn't she and apparently she was miss collins and carrie i haven't watched carrie in a really long time so i i forgot her but yeah she that's but it's split she's the psychologist she's the one who's like diagnosing James McAvoy's character. I just knew I'd seen her face somewhere else, you know, like like she's got a very distinctive look to her. She makes me feel weird. I don't like it. Not in like a not in like a sexy way, just yeah, she made a, me feel weird in a sexy way. I'm sure she did. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those, you know, where like I don't go for a woman that age, but if I were that age, I could see myself going for it. She decides that the nice thing to do would be to offer them all food. <laughs> she doesn't even decide it's the nice thing. It's more like, well, I guess I got to offer you supper. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you twice. I'm like, she has her finger on some kind of pulse, though. She basically asks about the relationship problem. She's like, who's chasing who? She has this whole kind of very, very homey thing. Very um, folksy. That's the word I'm looking for. This very folksy line about someone's always chasing someone. Uh, never seen two people with love in their eyes looking at each other equally. You know, something like that. So who's chasing? And Marky Mark's like, <laughs> it's fucking me. Duh. And she's like, I knew it. I knew it as soon as I saw you. And then little little Jess reaches her hand out for a cookie. This, and this part woman fucks just me up. Whack! And suddenly it's like daddy hit mommy at the dinner table. Everybody just clams up. That was a hard smack. That wasn't just like a, hey, get your your fucking hands off yeah, that. No. that was a, I'm gonna take your fucking hand and break it off if you yeah, do that was, again. It was like you get one warning and then you die. Suddenly, awkward silence <laughs> pervades. But she keeps talking. She doesn't give a shit. This They're, woman has been outside of society for way oh, too long. Oh yeah. She like starts talking about shit and then she eventually she hands Jess a cookie. Who takes it? In the real world, that kid would be like, yeah, the no fucking kid in the world doesn't take a cookie when it's offered. I'm sorry. Well, at least all right. I guess maybe at one who's been physically abused at that point. My thought would be a child with a history of abuse would not take no. the cookie but a child who like that was their first encounter <laughs> like they like they grew up you know very loving supportive parents and then suddenly that happens and it's the first time something that shocking has happened to them i feel like they take the cookie i don't see her eat it though that's true that's true you don't see her eat it 
probably yeah. because they probably because M Night Shyamalan was standing behind her like if you bite into that fucking cookie I'm gonna have to replace it and then we're gonna have to get the continuity expert in here. So don't you fucking touch that cookie, kid. <laughs> I wonder if he's that. Di- no, I wonder if he's I'm sure mean. He's, I'm sure he's probably not. He's probably very nice. He he gets really good performances out of well now that I think about it, getting really good performances out of kids who might be a super remember on uh, Guillermo del Toro said he was a huge dick to that kid from That's the true. from the devil's backbone <laughs> and he got a great performance out of that kid so who knows maybe and, Shyamalan's a dick at del Toro I've I've only uh, he seems like the nicest fucking person on the planet too seems like such a nice guy so he was just being a dick to that kid just to well the, just to get a good the kid was going through this terrorizing situation so I think he was maybe trying to like get the kid method at that point or something <laughs> very young just destroy this kid's life for your for your fucking ghost movie that's oh that's God. fucked up that's, that is dark that del is toro dark. i hope that's not the case i hope you i hope you apologize to him and you were very nice after i will my hope is that the stories have sort of grown in the telling you know like he yeah. probably you know, like maybe he was a little dickish you know a little too hard once or twice and then it got blown out of he blown into he's a monster the entire we time. did discover that the kid is still acting so it couldn't have been all that bad it wasn't bad enough to stop him from acting however yeah. apparently this movie was bad enough to stop her from acting <laughs> apparently and then to stop everybody from fucking talking about it i'm telling you ironclad ndas every I'm, one of them i hope i fucking hope so they're lucky enough to get to spend the night because this lady's just like this is normal stuff that you're supposed to do when you have guests in the house she does not want them to spend the night but she's like well <laughs> Guess you i have fucking to. let you through the door so now i gotta let you spend the night you pieces of shit and, and then <laughs> She's so antagonistic from this point on. Oh, it, it, in a weird way. And this is where it almost says the she's really exorcisty. And how could she just hit Jess like that? And he's like, it's fine. It's whatever. Because- well, he he doesn't say it's fine. He's like, look, you want me to protect you? This is what we got to do. We got to stay here. And, you know, Je- Jess falls asleep. And how does he end up? He ends up in the hall. And be- does he hear her in the hall? Yeah, they hear they okay. hear like some some footsteps creak in the floorboards out there and they're they're kind of whispering to each other you know about you know zoe deschanel was saying you know she's creepy <laughs> and uh and he's like yeah i know but you know we got to do what we got to do so then he walks over to the door and, she, and there she is at the end of the hall death staring him like i hear you whispering planning on stealing something no ma'am we're not plan on murdering me in my sleep what no another line that everybody knows <laughs> Just Mark Wahlberg's got a little gold in this movie. He really does. <laughs> okay, so the next morning, Elliot's kind of wandering around the house. He goes into a bedroom. He assumes it's her bedroom. And it's just fucking weird. Why is this scene even in the movie? This doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> I mean, like, I know it's here just so she could, like, pop up behind him and be creepy. But he walks into this room and he's like, Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones. Remember J-Names. He sees this fucking life-size doll on her fucking bed. And he walks up to it and it just gets creepier the closer you Ugh, get to I- it. And he's like, she's a fucking crazy lady. He doesn't say it exactly. He's more like she's mad or something like that crazy lady you trying to steal my things no no mrs jones i I actually wanted to talk with you you all are gonna leave right now ma'am you don't understand there's something happening in a few states in this region it's not safe leave now eventually we're outside and she's in the garden she starts like repeating words oh she's doing the lord's prayer oh the lord's prayer that's right which makes it way creepier and then she starts walking backwards And I'm like, oh, this is getting more exorcisty as we speak. Yeah, very, very astute of you. Weird, right? Zoe Deschanel, whatever the fuck your name now is. Now I'm in this starting movie. to think. I can never remember. It. I'm starting to think the plants are also going after like super negative people. <laughs> Maybe because there's a lot of that. Because like it happens to that group and them being all like 
I'm in charge. No, I'm in charge. Well, yeah, that's true. Maybe it is the, you know, the sort of negative vibes that are that are triggering it. It's an act of nature. We'll never know. Uh, so Elliot goes, he, Elliot runs inside. He shuts the door, yells for Alma. The lady starts walking around the house. You, you, you can kind of hear and you hear this like thump sound. Well, and we also hear Alma and Jess, but he can't find them. Yeah, she starts walking around. You hear this like thunk, thunk as she's walking around. Then she makes it to the window. Her face is kind of bloody and she smashes her face right through the window. It's a good shot. As I was watching it the second time, I was like, did they do a quick cut to a stunt person smashing their face through the window? Or did she, because when the person smashes their face through the window, some of the glass sticks to them. And so that's why I was, I mean, it's probably in fairness, it is probably, I mean, it's definitely sugar glass. There's no question about that. But my guess would be that it's like sugar glass with something sticky coated onto it so that some of it sticks to her. But it looks so good that it made me wonder if they didn't get a stunt person to do it just because the pieces are so sharp looking and they do stick to her, you know, so maybe she's just a badass. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's a really good looking effect. Mm-hmm. How does she actually die, though? Do we, we don't actually see her. No, die, we do don't we? see her die. She smashes her face through one window and then walks away with a bunch of glass and shit embedded i mean they do a cut between her smashing her face through and her pulling back with all the glass in her face yeah. but when she smashes her face through she does it kind of slowly and you do see some of the glass stick to her face and then she does it again to another window yeah we see. and then she goes through and that one is at more of a distance so mm-hmm. probably as a stunt person and they really just fucking <laughs> go for it and i was like probably she slashed her neck on the broken glass would be my guess i was thinking like there's got she had to have grabbed something fucking yeah so that's when elliot he's he's freaking out he's like oh fuck and he runs into this room and he shuts and locks the door and that's when he that's when he hears like elma alma Alma and Jess like laughing and giggling. He's well, he like, hears him really clear yeah. at that point. He's like, hey, it, hey. The wind before, as he's like running from it, when she smashes through, again, the wind comes through. The wind is the monster in this movie. Like, and it really, like, he really plays it up. It really starts blowing hard through the ventilation caused by these two broken windows. It's a good effect. Again, all of this within the framework of for what this movie is but he's and he's a positive individual so he's not getting affected by any of it that might be it i mean that might really be you might have just figured out what the crux of he has a pure heart the plague or whatever it is is but uh yeah he 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 hides himself in this room and he starts stuffing cloths around the door and shit and earlier the crazy old lady before (laughs) she went full joan crawford she was explaining how there's a spring house out behind the house where they used to hide runaway slaves from slave hunters or uh, bounty hunters, you know, chasing slaves, whatever it is. And uh, that there's a speech tube or something, I think she calls it, between the two places and that you can hear each other as if you're in the same room. And that's what we find out is going on. That's that's where Alma and Jess are. Yeah, they're giggling. They're having a good time. They're playing with a frog. Yet somehow they can't hear him uh, in his screaming and shouting i think they're just having too much goddamn fun with that stupid frog yeah jess jess keeps picking up this big frog that is in the spring it's like you get your water out of that thing and you got these frogs around in it yeah i hope you boil that shit first no well now she doesn't need to she's dead as fuck that's true probably elliot finally finally gets their attention and he says hey guys close the door close the windows it's finally here but it's just one person oh fucking no yeah and that's well (laughs) he explains he's like it went after her and she was all by herself and so then they close everything up and then zoe deschanel has the brilliant line it's too dangerous to go outside now isn't it the dialogue in this movie is solid gold and this is the point at which i i made a note because um he's sitting down next to the speech pipe and he's playing with the uh the mood ring and i wrote down 
the mood ring has turned brown because they're in deep shit. <laughs> so they're going to talk about they're talking about their first date and the mood ring and she's and apparently she didn't talk much because she doesn't like to show her emotions. She doesn't like it when people know what she's no she doesn't like it when people know what she's feeling. So he bought her a mood ring, of course. Yeah, it was purple and you said it meant that you were in love and but we found out that it really meant I was horny. <laughs> and then yours turned blue and it meant you were at peace. And then they're like, "What did love mean?" I don't fucking remember. He's like, "I don't know." Because Me neither. We need more pointless dialogue in this movie. Well, I think I think the underlying message there is that um, their relationship has become a relationship of convenience and not passion. So let's have a kid. That sounds healthy too, technically. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're, they're talking a little bit and he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I love you. There's no reason. Like if we're going to die, we should fucking be together when we die. The ultimate chasing her moment. They decide, fuck it. They're, they're, they're going to go die together. So all three of them come out and... And all I could think was real nice. You know, you you could have left the kid in there. So she could given just, her a fucking chance. So she could just die by herself. It's probably going to stop eventually, right? The kid could. She's got water. It's a fucking spring house. She could have survived <laughs> at least a few days. She could. She could eat her frog. That's true. Oh, that'd be. Oh, that sucks. The wasteland is no place for the squeamish. She's eight and sweet. <laughs> Just imagine that adorable <laughs> little kid just tearing into a live frog. Oh, that's fucked up. Yikes. Um, this okay. movie's way darker than I thought it was going to be. Okay, okay. So they drag the kid out to her death. Yeah. So they don't, As far as they know. Yeah, they don't die. They don't die. Nothing happens. The wind blows and they're like, oh, I guess we just missed it. It's like, no, you've missed it like 12 times. The wind keeps blowing on you. Yeah, that's an know. awkward dinner, right? <laughs> That night when the kid's like, you were just going to let me die with you, weren't you? <laughs> she was obviously okay with it. I don't think she wasn't being dragged or anything. Here's my question. How long do you think they stayed at the house? Because it's effectively their house now. Nobody oh, yeah. Knows. I don't know. I was thinking about it and I'm like, you guys could just stay there. It's obviously less than three months because we cut to three months later yeah. and they're back in the city. By the way, how much did rent prices drop? You're talking Pennsylvania, Maine, New York, New <laughs> Jersey, Rhode Island, like that whole, the most densely populated spots in the <laughs> no. United States just got got decimated you're talking 90 percent fatality rate the environment there's going to be a lot better eventually it's gonna be pretty fucking rank for a while with, with all the literally <laughs> seven million dead bodies in the heat of a new york summer i hope they got them cleaned up because it's the first day of school yeah after three months boy that is an impressive turnaround time jess is obviously living with with elliot and alma because <laughs> Her parents are fucking dead. Which, she seems by the to be way, handling it well. By the way, the East Coast is now suddenly a utopia for kidnappers. You could just show up there and be like, "No, her her parents died in the in the tragedy. I'm taking care of her now." Okay, stop it. This, <laughs> this movie's. Kind of, I just made things so much darker for you, didn't this I? This movie's this movie's actually stupid, but dark as fuck. Really. <laughs> Mostly because of the implications. So Elliot ends up walking Jess to the bus stop. In an avatar, the last airbender it, backpack yes. again for uh, for the eagle-eyed fan out there. <laughs> and, you know, M. Night Shyamalan being like, hey, you think this was bad? Just wait. Because it's not. It's fun. And that's <laughs> not. So he, he sees her off. He gives her a wave. While this is happening, Alma's in the bathroom taking a pregnancy test. Well, before the pregnancy test, oh. we get the news broadcast. Yes. As everyone knows by now, traces of the neurotoxin have been found in some plants and trees. Now, most environmentalists feel that this event is like, like the red tide in the ocean. But instead of algae-killing fish, this happened on land. Now, plants and trees just can't pick up and move when they feel threatened like other species. They have only one option, to rapidly evolve their chemistry. Well, uh, Kay from Mississippi. 
wants to know uh, why it started so suddenly on a Tuesday at 8.33 and then ended so suddenly at 9.27 the next morning. Well, Kay, to be perfectly honest, um, this was an act of nature, and we'll never fully understand it. And, Doctor, there's uh, been a lot of speculation as to why this happened in the Northeast only. How do you explain that? Well, I believe, all right, and this is just my opinion, that this was a prelude, okay, a warning, like, like, like the first spot of a rash. We have become a threat to this planet. I don't, I don't think anybody will argue that. And this is a warning. A warning? See, I think the skeptics would believe that if it had occurred anywhere else. That's why most people believe it was the government. If it had happened in one other place, anywhere else, we could all believe what you're saying. Guaranteed, after the credits of this movie are over, that guy's like, isn't it convenient that after I said <laughs> it needed to occur in a second place, suddenly, I am Tucker, Tucker Carlson and I want a fucking Eminem. <laughs> That's not really relevant. The guy just kind of looked like him a little bit. <laughs> he definitely had a Fox News anchor vibe. He really does. You're right. Almost pregnant. I wrote almost pregnant yippee. Yeah, because the message of this movie is have kids because there's no way that could be more detrimental to the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Their story's done. Fuck them. Uh, we cut to France. Hey, guess what? It's happening again. Anyways, this fucking movie's over. Oh, and, and now it's happening in France. It's happening in France. So guess what? The plants are out to fucking get us. So that's it. That is M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening. The movie that made people go like, oh, he's not good, is he? The $43 million movie that Bloomhouse could have brought in for two. In 2008, uh, well, yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> If Blumhouse was around back then. They couldn't have gotten Shyamalan to do it, but <laughs> they could have brought in this same movie for $2 million. You know what? Jordan Peele should remake this. Oh, there you go. I would I would jump on a Jordan Peele remake of The Happening. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm in. Jordan Peele, that's your next movie. It's official. You no longer have a say in it. He probably has You've his been next, drafted. He has his next 12 scripts written, and he's like, I'm going to do this one. Definitely. This one. They're all going to be just as divisive as the first two. Okay, let's wrap this motherfucker up. So we can go play hockey. Go go rock some chill. Hartford, the whale, they beat New England what? Once? Twice in a lifetime? There you go. You got it. Yes, I remembered it this time. <laughs> so that's the happening. I think it was fun. Any final thoughts before we move on? This is not your movie if you can't enjoy a bad movie. If you can enjoy a bad movie, this is a bad movie, and it's a delightful bad movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it the first time because I thought I was going to see a good movie, and that's what I walked in needing was to see a good movie. I wasn't ready for M. Night Shyamalan to shit the bed <laughs> at that point. Even but no, he kind of had already done that twice. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't feel he had. You know what I mean? Because I liked those movies. I enjoyed The Village. It wasn't his best, but I liked it, and I enjoyed Lady in the water even though I get why people didn't even then I got why people didn't it's just I thoroughly enjoyed it I had a good time start to finish I had a good time re-watching it start to finish this one I wasn't prepared for but now that I watched it being prepared for it I really enjoyed it and it's getting better with subsequent viewings so I feel like this is one again I want to see Vinegar Syndrome release this so bad I really do and you know what I think they're gathering enough clout to do it because there is no current version of this out I'm not saying it's out of print necessarily, but there's no current Blu-ray. The, the last Blu-ray you can get is the one that has the old school digital copy logo on the top. You know, the one from oh. before Voodoo was like really a thing. Jesus. Back when it was okay. all iTunes, like just iTunes, you know, and you had to put the disc in your computer's DVD drive. Wow. 
All right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Somebody. I don't care who at this point. Fuck. Let out something. That's why I feel like Vinegar Syndrome should do it because they go after culty weird shit and they put out a lot of movies that are so bad they're good. I feel like it's a natural fit for them and I would love to see them remaster it and try to get those microphone drops back into it. That would be nice. You can have this cut too, but have the other. Yeah, cut. absolutely. Have them both. Absolutely. Put out the mainline DVD cut. That's fine. But also get that original theatrical cut in there. My final thoughts are pretty similar. It's a dumb fucking movie and I loved it this time. I don't know. The, the first like two times I watched it, I, I had watched this a couple times yeah. before, and I'm like, the fuck is this? This sucks. Doing this podcast has helped me appreciate way more, way different stuff. And it's... I'm Adjusting in. your expectations is key to watching this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's the happening. It's good. You should watch it. It's bad in a good way. There we go. We've made our point. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Go watch it. So you can also follow us on social media and all that shit. There's a lot happening over there. Not really. <laughs> there's there's something happening. We'll say that. Uh, you can follow us on everything at the Shark Pod. Well, there's something happening on the Instagram. I don't know what the fuck's going on on the Facebook. That's you, buddy. You know where else there's something happening? I'm going to say Patreon. Patreon. Yes. We have our 2021 the 13th where we talk about all the Friday the 13th movies and we're in the midst of 2022, a year in the asylum where we're talking about all those shitty mockbusters they're not all shitty well they're all shitty but they're not all shitty in the same way they're some not are, all they're not all shitty bad one some of, of them, them are shitty good the last one we did was unpleasant <laughs> the last one we did was borderline unwatchable you it was a rough ride give us two dollars and you can hear us talk about it and be very sad for, <laughs> for two hours let's do it give us that money money i don't know what the fuck i'm even talking about anyways uh patreon.com slash across hollywood go give, give give us your money your kids don't need it fuck them take it out of their allowance we are That's now officially that guy in high school who would do anything for a dollar <laughs> That 2021 the 13th was pretty rough. Uh, for me. For me. <laughs> for you. Yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of 2021 the 13th. You're in the asylum is going a little more unevenly. <laughs> we'll see how it it's goes. It's 50-50 so far. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, come back in a couple weeks when we talk about what the fuck movie. Oh, Society. Society. Yep. I think it's a first. Is it a first for both of us? Yes, it is. Neither of us have awesome. seen it up to this point. So, you are going to be getting our first impressions and not, this is not the informed opinion of a longtime fan. I'm psyched. It's going to be awesome. But hey, we'll see you in a couple weeks for Society. Until then, stage awesome. <laughs>